This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. It is Wednesday, and you know what that means. That means we bring back your favorite guest and long, longest expert, Anna Kelly. How are you doing, Anna? I'm great. Great to be with you again this week. Yes. Merry excellent. Christmas. Merry Christmas. You like that little holiday spirit for everyone? I love it. <laughs> Hopefully, it makes some people laugh or at least smile. I, I, we're, we're, it's, you know, we need more joy in the world, so, you know. put that on just just for you. Ho, ho, ho. There you go. Hey, so one thing I thought you and I should talk about, because you and I invested before, during, and after the 08 crisis, and there's a lot of YouTube entertainers trying to talk about 2020 when they didn't experience 08. And frankly, they're wrong, right? A lot of the stuff they said is either just inaccurate, wrong, or a guess, So as two people who have been through it, I thought we would take four subjects, talk about what we saw in 08, talk about 2020, just so there's a direct connect. And um, does that sound like a bunch of fun? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So let's talk about 08 and what I saw is 08. uh, And I think it starts with what I'll call investors or speculators. Because as I was seeing the 08 run up, right, my journey starts in 02, which was pretty normal market, right? owner occupants, buyers, traditional lending, standard stuff. But as we got closer and closer to that OE peak, all the conversations I were having at work, at business conferences were about real estate. And they called themselves investors, but as we later learned, they were speculators. They were playing the momentum. Uh, So the first thing I want to talk about is what you and I saw in 08 from what would be investors, but in reality, speculators. What, what did you experience? Sure. So full disclosure, in late 07, early 08, we were speculators who <laughs> thought we were investors. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So I had done my first big flip. We started it at the very end of 2007, mm-hmm. beginning into 2008, and we ended up holding it for a year. So, uh, you know, it was like <laughs> through 2008. Um, because we were convinced all the HGTV shows had just started coming out in oh. 2007. And I know because I was on bed rest, pregnant with my first baby. Then I was at home with this little preemie and I watched every HGTV <laughs> flip this house show that there was. And I convinced myself, I'll just flip a couple properties a year. And man, I've replaced my six figure income in no time. Yep. So we jumped in like everybody else without knowing really what we were doing got a traditional mortgage, didn't know anything about private money, hard money, um, didn't know anything about construction, hired unlicensed people that didn't know what they were doing, like we didn't know what we were doing. (laughs) And we actually lost money on that first flip because we were speculating, um, just assuming that it was going to keep going and every house was going to make money and, you know, the market was, you know, all going to go up. And we didn't realize, we didn't know anything about really real estate cycles at all. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. It's interesting. I had been involved in the mortgage world, um, but I didn't know that all of those mortgage backed securities and mortgages were starting to 
unravel and was going to lead to a big decline. So um, we lost money because of our lack of knowledge and because what we thought was investing was really speculating on hoping we'd have upside and the market would keep going up, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So yeah. what happened in 2008 is a lot of people were like me at that point. They were just thinking the sky's the limit. This market's just going to keep going up, 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 and we're all going to make a whole bunch of money. And flippers got caught with their pants down, quite frankly, in a lot of hard money loans, trying to quickly flip houses, hope that they could sell while the market was still high. And when the market tanked at the end of 08 um, and going into 09, many of those who were in the flipping business as speculators really are the ones that lost everything and went bankrupt because they had too many short-term loans out, high interest rate loans, yeah. market yeah. tanked and surprised them. And they just couldn't sell the properties for the same values because of the, the rapid decrease in values. Yeah. When I, when I think about 08 and, and again, my journey's always been buy and hold until the last two and a half years where I started flipping. Um, Kind of 03 to 06 were close to a normal market as I've ever seen. It was kind of 60, 40 split investors and owner occupants. Again, this is Fresno based. So everybody, you yeah. know, it's only one market I know. But I really saw 07 and 08. You're right. The word you use that that really reminds me of that period is everybody was betting on appreciation, right? Yes. Tree, trees go to the sky, housing never. I mean, how many times did you hear housing never goes down? Yes. Right? Right. I mean, that was, I mean, people were tattooing that on their foreheads, right? Housing never goes down. So I'll buy right. anything. And, you know, I, I, I ask people all the time to go look at the first house I ever bought, right? 1818 North Drive East 93703, right? Go look that up on Zillow. And we buy it for 107. I think in December of 02, we sell it in like December of 06 or 07 for 265. But as you know, it's still rented for the same amount. So while it made sense at 100, it doesn't make sense at nearly 300. Right. But that person who bought it was betting on appreciation. And you know, the funny thing is they were right for about six months because that yeah. house goes all the way up to 300 before it rolls over. And boy, yeah. did it roll over. It rolled over all the way, ding, 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 down to 75 grand before it retrades again. Wow. Wow. And, and so we saw something similar too. So in 01, I bought a condo as a rental property thinking, okay. hey, you know, this will first, we, I was going to live in it and not mm -hmm. throw rent money away. And yeah. then when I bought the house, keep it as a rental and the price, the values just skyrocketed, like from, you know, Oh, two to Oh six, it was worth so much more money. And then we bought a house on speculation of gentrification, continuing to move, you mm -hmm. know, continuing to move. So all these big houses were going up and we're like two streets behind it were really rough, but everything had gone up crazy values. And we thought, man, this house is going to go up and double in value in two years, we're going to sell it and make a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, late 07, things started to tighten up. Values weren't going up quite as high. Mm -hmm. 08, you know, all of a sudden they came down and we tried to sell at a point where we thought it was going to be keeping going up. And then all of a sudden it was softening and things were taking forever to move. And then all of a sudden values went down. So we got out right before, you know, that happened, but there definitely was a, a big change between what we saw in 02 to early 07 and what we saw kind of mid 07 into early 2009. Yeah. And then when I think if I were to fast forward to 2020 now, I, I just frankly don't see the same speculation frenzy. Uh, and maybe that's because, you know, everything I do now is one rental at a time and I preach 
conservative and all of that. So I may be blocking out some of the nonsense, um, but I don't see the same housing goes up forever. In fact, I see more and more people talking about a housing crash coming. So I don't see the same speculative fervor, but again, I might be missing it. So I'm curious what you're seeing. Yeah, honestly, until the pandemic, I still saw lots of that same speculative really? fervor here in Pennsylvania. Okay. So, you know, lots of people decided I'm going to start flipping houses like in ah. the last couple of years, like, oh, hey, we've, we've got this great market again, and we're going to start flipping houses and make a bunch of money. And people started paying crazy amounts for houses in central Pennsylvania two years ago that I was like, mm. I can't believe they're paying that for these houses. How is that going to so, work? <laughs> and you've got we started having some tightening supply, okay. but everybody was trying to get into flipping houses. And so you've got homeowners and house flippers all competing for that first time home buyer house range mm -hmm. um, and putting in, you know, making the same kind of rookie mistakes, putting in too high end, you know, finishes that you couldn't really get, you know, people to buy, then they're having to lower their price because it's yeah. taking longer to move some of these properties. Um, a lot of people getting into, you know, hard money. Mm -hmm. um, so where it used to be, you know, you flip and you've got just as much supply as there are flippers, you know, demanding those properties. Sure. In the last few years before the pandemic, we saw so many people still trying to get into the flipping game. Um, a lot of those, you know, flip and flop, Montalongros, et cetera, yeah. were doing big conferences around here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, again, trying to get people into the flipping game. Uh, so we saw a big uptick actually in that until the pandemic. And now we're seeing fewer and fewer properties being flipped in our area. But I think it's because now there's such a small supply, like we're talking about, that, you know, you've got 30 people competing for every house. Yeah. Um, and that's people that want to live in them um, and people that want to flip them. Yeah. So we'll talk about lending in our final subject. So I won't go there yeah. now. I guess the last thing to just kind of compare 08 whatever year you want that the peak with 2020, what I saw in 08 was like 60% owner occupant, like 15% investor and what would be 25% speculator. That was kind of the mix today in my market. It's like 90% owner occupants and 10% speculators. I mean, there, I haven't seen a deal make sense as a buy and hold in six months. I mean, that was listed. So I'm wow. curious, you know, if, if you're seeing the same thing in, in 2020. I haven't in my market really looked recently okay. at what percentages of homes are being bought by, you know, house flippers, for example, versus mm -hmm. like turnkey rentals or um, individual homeowners. But what I do know is that there are so many people going after every property that, you know, the days on market have just gone down from, you know, two weeks to two days. Yeah. Um, max for anything that's under three or $400,000. So there's a lot of people still, you know, looking for turnkey rentals. The, the, the issue is that the net rents just don't make sense. You know, it's like four caps for a turnkey yeah. rental. So yeah. it's like a house, for example, you know, I, I have several single family homes still in some townhouses, yep. but a house that, you know, would have sold for 120,000 a couple of years ago. Um, I might buy at auction, you know, and get it for 90 and I'd have a tenant in there for 11 or 1200. Those houses are now going for 210, 220, but our rent market won't sustain anything more than about 1300 a month in rents. Wow. So if I have to pay 220 for that property that needs work, by the way, thousand square foot, 1100 square foot home, 
for 220 that needs work, if I'm in it for 250 and I'm getting 1300 a month in rent, I'm upside down. Yeah. So that's yeah. a big shift is the fact that prices are so high and there's so much competition that our values have gone up so much in the last year mm. uh, where they were just kind of trickling up before, like the last year, they've just crazy wow. 2020. Wow. Um, it's not, they're not sustainable for turnkey rentals, like you said. Yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And we're going to talk about that in our third section uh, today. So we'll, we'll save that topic. So let's switch gears to sellers, right? Again, it's, this might be a shorter conversation, but sellers in 08 versus sellers in 2020 really is night and day, right? Sellers in 08 were frankly desperate. I mean, I don't remember if you remember what the MLS looked like, but I mean, everything was bold letters, capital must, must sell. And yeah. you, you, I mean, that was the first market. I'd been in the market six years. I had read about motivated sellers. I had never seen one, right? Yes. And then suddenly they were everywhere. 100%. Um, Especially in Houston, in a big city like yeah. Houston, so many people trying to sell and there was just so much supply and everybody slashing prices, slashing prices, just trying to get out from under because the, most of them were underwater because yeah. their interest rates were so high when properties start going down in value, they were going down below what was owed on these 100% financed you know, mortgages. Um, so people were really in trouble or thinking, how can I continue to pay mortgage on a house that's now worth $100,000 less? Yeah. And people didn't really have equity, like you're saying. So they, they didn't really care, right? The, the, real, the real seller was a bank. Yes, you had to have an owner agree, but once you're underwater, they don't really care, right? They lost motivation. Okay. Like, sure, take whatever. And then you'd have to wait three, four, six, eight weeks for some bank to say yes or no, right? I remember that being, being yeah, crazy. At a minimum. Yeah. But then when I think about sellers, again, comparing to 08 to today, today is the most, and I've been doing it 20 years, the craziest seller's market I've ever seen. Crazy. Yeah. If you have anything that is remotely clean, I'm not even talking updated. I'm just talking livable. Uh, you could throw it out there and you're going to get multiple offers. And, um, you know, this is probably the best time to sell I've ever seen. I don't know about you, but it's it's pretty crazy. It is. It's definitely. And again, we we always talk about this, but we have to keep hammering at home. This is very regionalized. Like yes. Pennsylvania, it's, it is a seller's market. And, and I know people who have put offers on three, four, five houses and can't find a house because they keep being outbid. When they're 25 above asking price mm. on every home. What is so, 25? What is 25K? Is that 5% above, 10% above? What is it? Um, five to 10%. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Wow. Um, and so, you know, ho houses that were listed for, you know, 250 are selling for, for 300,000 in some cases, 275, 300,000. Wow. So it's, it's, there's a strong, strong, strong demand here. However, I, I, the guy that bought my house just moved from Long Island and mm. we were really nervous about, you know, is he going to be able to close on his house? Cause it's Long Island. Who's moving to Long Island. Everybody's leaving New York city yeah. and Long Island, you know, the Bronx, all that area um, houses in New Jersey and, and New York, there's so much supply and they can't move them. Wow. So again, it's like, that's just two States above us, but they were hit very hard during the pandemic very draconian lockdowns and, and people are just like, we're out. So mm -hmm. in those markets, it's not a, a seller's market like it is in Pennsylvania, like it is in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Same with San Francisco. I just did a video on San Francisco yesterday's getting hammered. Uh, again, people, you can look at it. I think it's called San Francisco crashing, but they lost 90,000 high income families, right? Households. Wow. Inventory is a hundred percent higher than it's been. Rents are down 30% 
office space is being sublet at record levels. 40% of small businesses are crashing. Not good. So yes, there are yeah. some cities that are that are in trouble. So yeah, sellers yeah, are very different. The area that I'm seeing too that, mm -hmm. that that's still happening is um, areas like Nashville, Tennessee. Ah. So where there have been high tourism and there were a lot of Airbnb units. Oh yeah. Those sellers are trying to sell them and they're selling homes and renting homes um, that are furnished at the same time that all these other people are trying to sell their houses. And so there's a lot of supply in those areas and they're having to really slash prices to, to get them to move. So I read something very specifically on Nashville and that phenomenon there that both rents and prices are just crashing down. Yeah. Do me a favor. Um, if you find that article, can you send it to me? I have not read Nashville yeah. yet, but I, did, I read the same thing about Orlando. I've got some data on Orlando, kind of the same thing, right? Yes. Hospitality space big booming market Absolutely. now. So I'd, I'd love to read about Nashville. So let's talk about sure. um, the buyers, right? In 08, again, this is very different than 20. The buyers just disappeared. I mean, in my market, I mean, it, the owner occupant buyer basically gave up because everybody was scared, right? There was yeah. min of, minimal transactions done really owner occupant. But I remember in my market, there was, I mean, I was one of them. There were probably less than 20 buyers and we were all buying multiple a month um, yeah. and some of them on the courthouse steps. And I was just a full-time employee. I just bought on online. Right. I, I had to, I had to pick up what was left over, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was an interesting market. Right. Yeah. Buyers real buyers were number one. They were scared because values just were continuing to come down. So they're afraid to go into something where the market's going to continue to tank. Um, when there's fear, you know, in, in the markets, most people are going to, to say, hey, hands up, I'm not going to jump into this game. Very mm -hmm. few are going to go, okay, this is the time to get greedy. Yeah. So some of the investors that I knew that were more aggressive, like we need to buy, they couldn't get the lending. That so was where I was going next. Yes, is yes. One is there's fear. How long are the values going to keep coming down? But even if they were willing to, to jump in and buy something, it was very, very, very difficult to get loans um, on any property because values were continuing to come down and banks were too nervous to, to lend. Yeah, you, you read in my book. I mean, that was a big thing for us. It was like, I remember walking into my bank, six, six figure income, seven figure net worth, 800 credit score. And the bank told me no. I was like, you can yeah. say no. I mean, what? I, I was so yeah. naive. I'm like, what do you, what, yeah. what do you mean? No, you meant yes, right? You didn't mean no, you meant yes. Right. <laughs> and a year before, I bought my first big commercial uh, investment property, 100% financed, 90% a bank loan and 10% a bank credit card. So it's like, you know, and they knew that I was giving up my job when I moved here. So it was like, okay, here you go. You have decent credit. You had a good job history. Here's money. And a year yeah. and a half later, they banks were really scared. Banks yeah. were going under. So yeah. they had to get very, very tight. Yeah. And that's, uh, again, that's where we'll go next. We'll close this topic about lessons from 08 is, is lenders, lenders call the shots. I mean, as much as we want to think it's buyers, investors, lenders call the shot. And I would just ask anybody to go back to like February, March, April of 2020. What happened first? All the flipping money turned off. Remember all these, yeah. you know, private money turned off. That was, I, I had seen that coming, right? I had seen yeah. it before. So I was ready, but yeah, folks, banks make, make the deal. Are the banks lending? Are the banks retracting. I, I ask you to go back and look at my daily financial news. We talked about JP Morgan several times, tightening up, more yeah. down, higher credit scores. Um, lenders call the shots, right? Yes. And lenders are starting to tighten. So that's one area where we're seeing similar. 
However, they haven't tightened as quickly and as strong as I thought that they would, because I thought, hey, it might be kind of a repeat of, of what we saw in, in mostly late 08, but really strongly in 09, because yeah. banks usually lag about six months from when stuff hits before they know how to react and make the decisions and start yeah. to change things. Um, but one of the things that the Fed did this time that was different than, than their slow to react you know, stance previously is what they did is they put in all these rules and protections for banks and reserves and the max amount of loans they were able to give out in every category for their risk and their balance sheet. And what the Fed did with due to COVID is they basically set all those reserve rates that the bank has to keep mm -hmm. to zero. Oh, so wow. they're saying, banks, you don't have to hold reserves. We're going to keep lending you money that you can then lend to others. We want you to continue to lend money. So that has kept the banks from being as tight because the federal um, minimum reserve rates that, that were set in as a protection were basically the Fed said, they're gone, just keep giving out loans. So banks are more incentivized to keep giving loans. They know that there's going to be buyers because the government's going to be the buyer on the secondary market mm -hmm. um, if the investors aren't going to buy the mortgage-backed securities. And I think that that has tempered somewhat the banks tightening as, as quickly or as hard as they could have. Yeah. The biggest change I see in bank or lenders today versus 08 is how they're working with a potentially distressed owner. Yes. Right. The, the most common phrase in 08 was, I won't talk to you till you're 90 days late. Mm -hmm. And the facts about 08 were, is if you got 60 days late, you were 95% going to lose the property either via short sale or foreclosure. You just never right. caught up because the banks weren't flexible. Right. Today, what did they come out with? I mean, like immediately create a website, ask for a 90 day forbearance. Everybody's yes. Right. Yes. Very different behavior. And quite yes. frankly, why I think we avoided a potential, you know, real estate crash. If, right. if, they, if they, if they would have acted in 2020, like they did in 08, we would, we would be in trouble right now. There's, there's no right. question. Right. Plus the government basically came back and said, Oh, by the way, after that 90 days, you can't foreclose on them. You have to yeah. work out the, the payment with the, um, homeowner. And so banks are more incentivized to say, okay, we need to try to, you know, get these people caught up um, and figure out how to cut our losses without foreclosing on everybody. Yeah. And so that kept the supply to the point about supply and demand. That's yep. kept the supply low where mm -hmm. we saw this flood of supply because people were going under. Now people are, are going, okay, we've got some time to get back on our feet and they're holding onto those homes and not trying to dump them to get out from under them. And really what, just to, just to close on that topic, what really was different about 08 and 20 is, you're right, the supply is kind of held back, but what happened in 08 is the first couple came out and then you saw another one on the street and then another one a street over. And it was really like dominoes. What they've done successfully this time is they stopped the first domino. Right. right. So you don't have that ripple effect. Now, who knows if they can keep doing that next year? I think there will be some markets where the dominoes fall, like Vegas, maybe Orlando, maybe Nashville. Right. Uh, right. I, want, I want to look into that. San Francisco, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think it's going to be nationally. So again, I think there's a lot to look at between 08 and 20. But in reality, kind of summarizing it quickly, I believe the banks are very different. I believe the buyers are very different. Um, it's really a different market. Yes, the price points are similar, but that's kind of where it stops in my opinion. Right. Right. I agree with you. Very, very cool. Well, thank you for this first episode. That was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you.